0: welcome to episode 234 of the samuel and manual movie podcast i'm one of your hosts sam reimer and i'm uh, manny Manuel. it's good to be back manny my goodness it's been uh it feels like it's so difficult to get together uh during december we're both such busy individuals yeah. both uh you know life gets in the way yeah uh it's good to see your face it's good to see yours my friend. Uh, first order of business for me is to wish you a very belated but very happy birthday oh thank you so um, much i Regret that I was not able to be here last week uh, and uh, and celebrate with you, but I hope you had a a good time nonetheless.
1: I did, I did indeed. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much.
0: Um, yeah, I. It's a shame we were not doing a movie uh, that involves uh, birthdays and the feelings that can sometimes surround them. I'm (laughs) sure that uh, I'm sure that watching this movie this week did not hit home at all in any way. Not (laughs) Not even, not even a bit. Nope. Cool. Nope. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's good to be back, and uh, you know we have. Uh, we're quick approaching the end of the year. We're recording this on December 14th, 2022. Um, and, you know, end of the year is looming down on us. We got one Christmas episode left after this. And then and that's yeah. it. That's
1: all. Then we have a, a little break from each other. Yeah.
0: Right. We had an unintended break this, this last week. We but the, the following one is, is very much intended. Very much intended. We should have,
1: again, We every year we get to December, like, we should record these episodes ahead of time. Yeah. And then we don't see you here next year (laughs) can't wait already yeah i'll start scheduling better yeah
0: (laughs) as if you could do that you already do a ton of scheduling we've uh anyway that's uh that's regardless um yeah so this week we're gonna be talking about uh the 1991 comedy city slickers uh part six of our miniseries in 1991 yep as we're going further and further back in time here um very much looking forward to that, but that is uh, that is jumping the gun yes. just a touch. As we want to discuss
1: uh, what we've been watching. Sam, mm-hmm. what have you been watching?
0: Um, I don't have anything that I really want to touch on too deeply. Um, the first one that I wanted to bring up uh, just briefly is that I did finish, um, I use that term loosely because there is one more season coming out of this show, but I did finish The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel oh. um, at long last. Been watching that for a few months now. Um, I highly recommend the show to anybody who might be interested in watching it, it's about a housewife in the 1950s. Um, In the very first episode, her husband leaves her um, and she turns to a life of stand-up comedy to pay the bills. And as a Jewish woman, Jewish housewife in the 1950s, it's very much not... A ladylike profession her jewish parents looked down very strictly on her on her choices um but it's a brilliant comedy with really good characterizations um good uh good characterizations by uh rachel brosnahan as the titular mrs mazel and uh, alex borstein who uh people would know from a variety of things i knew her primarily as the voice of lois and family guy mm-hmm. um but she's you know I, I would call her kind of a character actress that's been around now uh, she plays uh uh mrs mazel's manager Susie, Mm -hmm. and she's fucking hysterical as she's uh, trying to make ends meet being a manager for somebody who is also just trying to make it (laughs) on their own um so they they have really good comedic chemistry and also has a a couple of people that i think you really like um i don't know if you have any affinity for tony shalhoub um but i I do but i do know that you have uh, a a particular affinity for uh kevin pollock i do and the two of them play respectively um midge Maisel's father and father-in-law uh and <laughs> they have excellent banter they're oh, both yes. very uh, very over the top jewish fathers in their own respective way and both very strict and both very overbearing but they clash in some pretty hilarious ways in the show and they're they're kind of a highlight for me um I won't uh, get too much into the specifics of the show, but I've really been impressed by the way it progresses. One of the writing things that it does that I am still kind of getting used to four seasons into it now uh, is the show kind of has this habit of setting things up with no payoff. And it's so constant that it's clearly intentional. Mm -hmm. No show would do it this often without it being intentional. There's many instances in the show where like, you know, a network TV show will leave you on a cliffhanger like, oh, can't wait to see how that pans out next week. And it will either not come up again or just kind of be brushed off. like Or it'll turn out to not be very consequential in a way that I, I really haven't seen uh, a network TV show or, or a serialized show do. So I, it's one of the things I've kind of had to get used to stylistically, stylistically with the show. Mm-hmm. I still don't know if I really like it. I think I do. It's, it's kind of different. And again, it, uh, it's very clearly intentional as far as I'm concerned. So it just makes me kind of question why. Um, but at any rate, uh, I, overall, the show has been uh, absolutely spectacular. I don't have the actor's name in front of me, but um, the real-life comedian who died tragically young, Lenny Bruce, is a character in the show who kind of takes uh, Mrs. Mazel under his wing mm-hmm. and shows her the ropes. Uh, his portrayal is really fucking good. I'm not familiar really with him as a comic, but apparently he's quite a big deal. He's a legend. Yeah, died at, uh, died at age 40, I think, of a heroin overdose. But he's a character in the show, and I really like the way his character is treated. You always have to be a little bit, um, I don't know, let's say careful about portraying people who died in uh, tragic ways mm-hmm. so as to not seem like you're... Taking advantage mm-hmm. of, a, of a poor situation, you want to treat them with respect, and his character is very much treated um, respectfully, but also realistically. And mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot. Cool. Anyway, that's already more words than I would have uh, planned to have said about Mrs. mazel Really impressed with the show. Can't wait for season five. I think they've announced it's the final season. It's going to be coming out in roughly spring 2023. Really going to be looking forward to that. Um, if anyone liked to watch it, it would be on Prime. Um, I know you won't be watching it anytime soon due to our numerous conversations about TV shows. I know that you won't be, but it, it is, it, it's is—it's quite a good watch. Cool. Um, where to go from here? I watched a Christmas movie called El Camino Christmas, which Netflix is just advertising the shit out of right now. Um, here, let me see if I can pull up uh, the description. I had it here a second ago. Um, okay. Eric comes to El Camino looking for his unknown dad. He's harassed, hit, and jailed. A drunk local cop who later shoots at a liquor mart with Eric and four others inside. The sheriff and deputy then shoot up the place, answering each other's fire. That's a really long plot synopsis. That's a bad plot synopsis. That's a bad plot synopsis. And really, the movie is bad too. (laughs) It it suits it just fine. It's got, uh, we got Dax Shepard, Kurtwood Smith, Luke Grimes and uh there's one uh, Tim Allen was the was the other one that I wanted to say was in this as well as uh, Jessica Alba for some reason I was actually um relatively impressed by the script for this I thought it was a, a kind of a, a neat concept for a movie it didn't seem like the director really knew what to do with this um there was ideas in the script it seems like they really wanted it to be about uh, I guess truth in some sort of way uh, because uh, our protagonist who I think is Luke Grimes. I'm not familiar really with the actor, Um, but our protagonist um, gets falsely jailed for not doing anything wrong. It doesn't have a side of the story believed. And then when he's hold up inside this liquor store, The this sort of news story spreads through the media that he's he- holding hostages in there when really it's the cops who are kind of holding him hostage. And it, there's this commentary that's attempted at the nature of truth and, um, you know, whether objective truth matters or whether having it on your side is, um, is even possible in a situation like this when dealing with police. And they're trying to be really philosophical about it and there's some ideas in the air and just doesn't work out at all, uh, unfortunately. The... The dialogue is pretty dumb in the movie. The way that it's executed is pretty dumb. There's aspects of the ending that I thought were totally an insult, an insult to the audience's intelligence. Um, Gave it two out of five for having some ideas. Uh, But I was really disappointed with the execution of this. And I like some actors in here, you know, um, (laughs) I say I like some really. Kurtwood Smith is, uh, I know him as listeners of the show may know him as Red from that 70s show. Um, Did you ever watch any of that 70s show? No. Yeah, I can't imagine that you would have. I really liked that show when I was was a teenager, Um, and he's the patriarch in that show. Um, And he's really, really tough, really firm sort of guy. Um, There is, I think I know, you're about to say where you know him from, and one of the highlights of this movie, I am going to spoil it this particular moment, because I know you're never going to watch it, and I don't think you should. Um, But... Kurtwood Smith is one of the police officers who it, who arrives at the scene at this alleged hostage situation, and somebody inside the building says, um, "I guess we got to take care of fucking RoboCop out there, or something like like somebody calls him RoboCop, which is, of course, where I guess in film that's probably his most famous role.
1: That or Neil's dad in Deadpool Society. Right? Okay, I forgot about that as well.
0: And those are probably like." N- both late 1980s, right? Like 1988, 1989.
1: 89 for Dead Poets and I'm going to go 87 for RoboCop.
0: Yeah. But I uh, I would say Kurtwood Smith's most famous role I I think at least is in that 70 show as Red. Oh, Norman.
1: 100% it is, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was right, RoboCop 87. I love myself. Nice.
0: I was pretty sure that uh, Dead Poets was 89, but I wasn't sure about RoboCop. Good one on that one. Um also, took me a while to recognize another one of the police officers, but Vincent D'Onofrio is in this movie. Weirdly enough.
1: Uh, just before you move off of this mm-hmm. and Kirkwood Smith, did you n- know they're making a sequel to the '70s show?
0: Yeah, um, that '90s show, '80s. Oh, '80s, '90s. Is it '90s? I think they attempted that '80s show like right after that '70s show. Okay. I think it's. I have heard that it's gonna be '90s. I could be wrong.
1: I think you're right. I think you're right. That 90s show. I don't see a, that 80s show anywhere listed in IMDb. Oh, okay. Uh, I saw a trailer for that 90s show, and it hurt my eyes. Um, but when I saw the premise, I was excited because th- like, that's when I grew up. Mm. Like, I was a kid in the 80s, but I was a teenager in the 90s. So reliving the 90s would be very fascinating to me. But when I saw the trailer for it... I wanted to kill myself, <laughs> so I was like, "I'm not. I can't watch it." Yeah,
0: I don't think I'm gonna watch that '90s show. Unfortunately, it, it doesn't really stand out as appealing to me. I'm frankly even afraid to rewatch that '70s show because I'm really afraid aspects of it haven't aged well. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> even though I loved it when I was a teenager. Um, by the way, that eight that '80s show is an American television sitcom set in 1984 that aired from January to May 2002 on Fox. One season, 13
1: episodes. Did it have Kirkwood Smith and no, it didn't oh. have
0: didn't have any of the original cast. Oh, okay. It was basically just trying to capitalize on the on the previous success oh. of it
1: because Kirkwood Smith and the mom are in this '90s show, that '90s show.
0: Yeah, I've I've heard that they are in the show. Yeah, uh, Deborah Jo Rupp as uh, as Kitty Foreman yeah. is delightful. It looks
1: like it, I guess it's the same set too. Hmm. Like it from what I like. I've never watched an episode of that '70s show, but I know that the, that basement. Is, is like a large I, I would say, you know, fifty percent of any given episode takes yeah. place in that basement. So that basement which I've seen mm-hmm. is in that nineties show. So whatever. Who cares? Whatever. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. already talked about this too
0: long. Uh El Camino Christmas gets two stars, unfortunately. Wow. Um so having watched one Christmas movie with Tim Allen in it, <laughs> <laughs> dot dot dot, we decided to go and watch another. Okay. It had been a while since I'd seen the Santa Claus. I uh, yeah okay. It had been a long time. Nah, nah, you know what? Let's let's give this another go. The first okay. Tim Allen Christmas movie that we watched this year was a was a misfire. Okay, wasn't good. Let's see if he can redeem himself. All right, is a version of what we said. Excellent. When a man inadvertently makes Santa fall off his roof on Christmas Eve, he finds himself magically recruited to take his place. Uh, this movie is batshit insane. I had for like, it really. I had forgotten the plot of this movie to a degree. I kind of knew the gist of it, mm-hmm. but the fact that he, a man murders Santa Claus and is basically required... Is to, it
1: murder? Yeah, he... Commit
0: man, man, Santa slaughter?
1: i I go Santa yeah, slaughter? Yeah, he commits he Santa slaughter. It's not premeditated. No, definitely not. So it's not murder then?
0: Yeah. Wait. No, I mean, there's such a thing as second-degree murder. Yeah. But, at any rate, isn't I digress. It an ac-
1: isn't it accidental?
0: It is accidental. It's negligent. So isn't that manslaughter? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if the courts see it that way. (laughs) I don't know. At any rate, um, Santa dies, and Tim Allen is, depending on which lawyer you ask, involved in one way or another, (laughs) and uh, Santa Claus has a card in his pocket that says, if anything should happen to me, put on my suit. The reindeer will know what to do, and that, according to magic law, is just enough reason for him to be to become santa claus that that very act is him consenting to becoming santa claus okay which is a little bit insane but okay it's a kid's movie
1: okay A uh, quick question yeah uh i haven't seen this movie what year the movie's come out 94 okay that's what i thought Ninety four. Okay. i probably haven't seen this movie since 98 like i have not seen it this century hmm. what happened to santa's body it uh, disappeared. It disappeared. Disappeared. Thank you. Yeah. I think as soon as he dies,
0: Santa, Santa's laying there in the snow. He takes the card out of his pocket, reads it, says, put on my suit. The body disappears, leaves the suit behind. Okay. So there's no undressing of Santa as far as
1: I remember, I okay. don't think. Okay. I've been wondering if I should watch this with Maya. It's it's okay. It's, it's fine.
0: There's some comedy that doesn't really hold up. Like, there's a, a weird number... Of just reindeer fart jokes, just kind of like thrown in there that okay. aren't aren't not, really like Maya will love it. Yeah, exactly. Fuck. They're not really like clever or about anything. Like, I'm not opposed to a fart joke as a rule, but like it's the kind of joke where like the whole joke is that a reindeer farted, and it's just that that happened. So there's this is definitely good for young kids. I think I I think I'm just a little too old or a lot too old to be the target demo for this movie anymore. I don't have any specifically fond movies of watching this one, or uh, fond memories of watching this movie, I guess I should say. Um, but, you know, I wanted to give it another go. I watched the sequels a little bit when I was a kid, so. Oh, ouch. Yeah, so, I don't know. It, it was fine. Okay. <laughs> um, there is some CGI in this movie, which has aged really poorly. Oh, okay. Really poorly. Not surprising. When I posted in the group chat that I was watching this movie, um, Mushhead said that she really hated the kids' performance. I thought it was a standard kid's performance. I didn't think there was anything just particularly.
1: Re- just remember, she's brain damaged.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I don't want to shit too much on the Santa Claus. I mean, it, I was just kind of having a, having a, a hot chocolate with the people that I love, watching a, a silly oh. little, a little Christmas movie. So damn a hot chocolate. I know a hot chocolate with lots of marshmallows. Lots of marshmallows. I
1: have hot chocolate here. And it's I'm great. Very tempted to make one right now. So
0: I did give Santa Claus a three. Okay. I think that's a heavy bias towards the environment that I watched it in because I just watched it with people that I love, okay and had a nice cozy hot chocolate and some warm fuzzy socks it was It was a solid Christmas experience, had the Christmas tree lit up and everything it was nostalgic very very nostalgic sort of situation okay um on its own this movie yeah, it's probably a two it's a it's a two wow, yeah, doesn't hold up the best, but there are some
1: David Crumles is in this movie, right? why can't I think of who that is? I think he's like the oh
0: yeah 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 he's he's like the main
1: elf yeah sort of situation. He's an actor I really like.
0: Yeah, and honestly, um, I was impressed by him in this movie because he's pretty darn young. Yeah, in this movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, he plays an elf who's hundreds of years old, but Bernard is like, one of the highlights of the movie. Okay. Um, I Tim Allen was somebody who was uh, popular. I think just before I kind of came around okay. i mean obviously toy story is toy story but um you know things like home improvement were not massive not on my radar even a little massive. bit i don't even know if i was alive when home improvement was at its peak
1: mm. massive yeah. star
0: yeah. massive <laughs> there's yeah. a few of those in here as well which okay apparently that was all the rage huge yeah i assumed oh, i'm adding this to the list of late 80s early 90s script that were clearly just covered in cocaine (laughs) this is a pretty crazy kids movie script that you know has some moments and uh, the kids will like it okay so three for for the santa claus all right um that's basically it for me all right i I had a few others that i watched this week nothing i really wanted to talk about this much um you know i rewatched how the grinch stole christmas the jim carrey one for the zillionth time that's unfortunate don't need to talk about it too much cool but i love that one cool it's good manny what what have you been up to
1: well, I, I chipped away again uh, in my 1991 uh, – I wish I could say this is a rewatch. It's actually a first watch, and much like a lot of movies from this year, this was a premise that could have been amazing, but the movie fell flat. Uh, and sadly, it, it hurt my heart because it stars somebody that I absolutely love, and this is the John Candy comedy, Delirious. Uh, A soap opera writer gets hit on the head and wakes up as a character in his own show. So he stars as the writer of this horrible soap opera. uh, And exactly what he gets hit on his head and then he wakes up in his own show, but he thinks that the actors are still the actors. Not the characters. Not the characters. And then he starts to realize it. And the fun part is, is that He controls the universe. He can go home on his typewriter, type out a script and it will happen the next day. So he starts making himself this incredibly cool and suave person. But once he's finished the scene that he's written and he does like all these cool things, when that scene ends, he goes back to being a loser. And so he has all these setups of these great, cool things that he does. But the moment it's over, he goes back to being a complete loser and then he can't c- continue this facade. It's a really fun premise. I'll kind of spoil a little bit. He's upset with the show because they've they hire another writer this like pay like pay um, for hire screenwriter. Who's known for not really being great, but good enough and gets paid a lot to do like just good enough. And so the screenwriter who's not in the universe, but he's writing his scripts, which are conflicting with what John Candy's doing in the universe of the movie itself. Hmm. So they're having this script battle. So John Candy will write these scenes to fix what he thinks he's doing wrong. And then that guy will rewrite again to counterbalance what John Candy's hmm. doing, but it's happening in the world that John Candy's in. Right. So it's this great idea, but it falls flat. It is, at times, hard to watch. And John Candy's not great in it, and that hurt my heart. It's a two out of five. Oh, that's too bad. It's only a two because it's John Candy. Yeah. It's a one we otherwise. We talked about
0: uh, in the JFK
1: episode as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So that that was sad for me. Um, next up, I decided to watch what is widely considered the greatest Christmas movie of all time, <laughs> The Family Man. It's a little little insider there, a little inside joke. Yeah, that was an inside joke. Uh, so I decided to revisit uh, The Family Man, which um, the PFGs, as a group, decided that the best Christmas movie of all time. That's not what happened. The, it, <laughs> it's not what as happened. a group, you guys decided The Family Man is the best christmas movie of all time as a group that is an indisputable fact
0: that is actually rather disputable (laughs) not
1: not disputable what's the number one movie on the christmas draft
0: those are not the same question (laughs) what is the greatest christmas movie of all time what's the number one movie on the christmas draft is a very different question that's the exact same question
1: (laughs) sam have you seen the family man
0: no i haven't in spite of its uh its claim to fame (laughs) In spite of, you know, you think of all the great Christmas movies of all time, The Family Man. Yeah, no, okay. I haven't seen it.
1: The Family Man. Uh, a fast lane investment broker offered the opportunity to see how the other half lives, wakes up to find that his sports car and girlfriend have become a minivan and wife. This stars uh, Nicolas Cage, Taylor Leone, and Don Cheadle. This is a very loose adaptation of It's a Wonderful Life. It's a guy, he's not shown sure what would happen if he wasn't born. It would show – it shows what happened if he had taken a different path at a very important part of his life. And what it is I'm, – I'm not spoiling anything. There's a moment where him and Taya Leone, he goes overseas uh, to further his career. She asks him to stay. This movie's premise is that what he did – he obviously went and go and became very successful. The movie's premise is that he stayed uh, and he has this great life. Um. This is directed by all-around great guy, uh, Brett Ratner. Do you know Brett Ratner? I mean, I know about Brett Ratner. Okay, and that he's a complete scumbag? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, I always liked this movie. Um, It's from 2000. Uh, I remember enjoying this movie um, during the 2000s. This rewatch, I was looking forward to seeing if I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. And I definitely realized that this was my first time watching this since becoming a father. And it does a lot of the fish out of water because obviously in his very successful life, he is unmarried and doesn't know how to deal with kids. But in this, he's got... Uh, a, a new baby and a small daughter, probably the age of between five to six. Hmm. So it does that whole like, I don't know how to deal with kids. I don't know how to change a diaper, kind of stuff. Right, the
0: sort of comedies that uh, Vin Diesel and The Rock were in all through the early two thousands. Yeah,
1: but not not done much better. Yeah, okay. like not played for such high jinks laughs, but kind of like. A little bit more realistic. What I found rewatching this movie is, at times, Nicolas Cage's character. Nicolas Cage in this movie is really good. Mm-hmm. Not like award-worthy, but he's doing a really great job. Yeah. What I found, though, is a lot of the decisions he was making were incredibly infuriating. And I think it was because when you realize... Obviously, at first, the very idea of being transported into, for lack of a better word, a different dimension, Mm. a different reality where the life you had no longer exists and you have this new life where you have a wife and kids. At first, obviously, it's going to be very uh, jarring, right? And you're not going to believe it. You might be in a dream or you're going to assume that maybe you woke up drunk or anything like that. But once you've kind of come to the realization that this is happening. He continues to make decisions that would seriously negatively impact the people in his life, like serious ramifications. And at this point, at the point he's doing this, I'm like, you are already aware that this is where you are, Hmm. that this is real life. And the choices you're making are going to have some serious ramifications. And I just found myself at times really infuriated with the things that he was doing. And uh, I had a hard time letting go of that. And I found myself actively disliking him for the first time ever watching this. That being said, it's still a fairly decent movie. Um, In my opinion, it's not the number one Christmas movie. But I uh, was not in the group that decided that this was the number one Christmas movie. So... To each their own. But you did assemble the group. I did assemble the group. Yep. You put you put your top minds on the case. I put my top minds on the case, and and once again, they failed me. <laughs> Honestly,
0: the list was pretty good up until that point, I thought. Uh, I know you didn't like having Scrooge solo on there. but
1: Yeah, that was a, – a, a, basically, after Scrooge was uh, selected at number 21, the list became shit to me. <laughs> the list was basically invalid at that point. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. Uh, I still had a good time. If you ever see it on stream or something, I would say give it. I would say give it a shot. Nicholas Cage is really good at it. Is it. Netflix or is it? I it is it is somewhere streaming because I don't own it and I watched it. No. I I my guess. I'm gonna guess it's on Crave. That's my guess. You checking? Yeah. Cool. Ah, uh, Leone is surprisingly. You not- said you said Crave. That was my guess. You're correct. Uh, Taylor Leona is surprisingly not annoying in this movie. I don't uh, even know really who that is. I don't she, recognize that name. She's an actress that I pretty much don't like. Uh, so...
0: Oh, where do I know this person from? Jessica Park 3? No, I haven't seen it.
1: Uh, Deep Impact? No, I haven't seen it. I know you haven't seen Bad Boys.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I just recognize her from something else. Okay.
1: And... Uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, it it, it was. A, I gave it a three. I gave it a three. It's it's worth it's worth watching. It if you. I'm not gonna say this should be high on your watch list, but it's worth giving a shot around Christmas time. <laughs> the next movie I want to talk about, I was having a hard time deciding between the last two I want to talk about in what order I want to do it, but I decided to do it in this order. I decided to watch a movie from 2002 that I've heard nothing but incredible things about. came highly recommended from our uh, young whippersnapper, uh, Wesley Meineker. And that movie is the film City of God. In the slums of Rio, two kids' paths diverge as one struggles to become a photographer and the other a kingpin. I'm just going to tell you right now this movie is a 5 out of 5. Oh, shit. This movie is un-fucking-believable. This is the kind of movie where you hear people talk about you have to see City of God. It's unreal. You hear all these great things about City of God. It makes all these top ten lists. Everybody that you know that has seen it has been around. Oh, another one. Michael chardulo has been begging me to watch this for a long time. Right, okay. So I finally got around. I was in the mood, I was in the mood to watch something good, and I saw that it was on Amazon Prime. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm I'm gonna watch this. And uh, Sam, this movie is unbelievable. It is basically, it's basically Brazilian Goodfellas. It is about these young gangs in the slums of Rio. It is incredibly violent. It is incredibly kinetic. It is has these characters that just draw you in and have you scared at what they're going to do next and there is one of the most harrowing scenes I've seen on film in a long time that I and I'm not even exaggerating I had I had to watch it through the fingers of my hands over over my face I was Desperately hoping the film wasn't going to go where it went, and it went there, and it left me scarred. Oh, shit. Uh, the film is beautifully shot. I will say this. I'm giving this movie a five, but the acting, not the greatest. Doesn't matter. It's the story? It's the story. The acting's not bad. It's just it's it's in another language, so I can't quite is tell. It,
0: I guess it must be Portuguese, hey, being in yeah. Brazil.
1: Yeah. <laughs> The movie's unbelievable. I like the people before me that were begging me to watch it, Wes and Chards. uh, I I can't recommend this movie highly enough. For an average movie fan, which most likely probably doesn't include the people listening to this podcast, um, but if you're someone that likes movies, I highly recommend this. If you're an average movie person. I will get the feeling that if they watch this, they wouldn't understand why it's so revered. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, so, Seed of God is 5 out of 5. Wow, That is high praise.
0: I've, I have seen Wes uh, praising this movie a lot, and I think Charred's as well. Yeah.
1: I can't heap enough praise on this movie. Cool. Uh, Wes listens to all the episodes, right? Yeah. Shout out to Wes. Shout out to Good Wes. Good recommendation, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Uh, I can tell you that when we get to 2002, this will be on the list to watch yeah, yeah. i'm going like, get back to 2002 it's not that far away Yeah. the movie i'm gonna end with uh is pretty much the polar opposite of city of god and that's the 2002 romantic comedy meet cute starring uh your boy pete davidson is he my boy pete davidson i, I keep feeling he's your boy not your boy nah, no not particularly I... my boy no oh, i always felt for some reason that you liked him
0: yeah, I gave uh, King of Staten Island three out of five. Okay, but yeah. For some reason, I always thought you were a fan of him. Not particularly. I
1: retract my statement and I apologize on behalf. That's okay. Okay. Yeah, I will. I won't have you canceled this per- time. Perfect. Uh, it also stars uh, an actress that I love and adore, and that's Kaylee Cuoco from uh, The Big Bang Theory. Um, this movie, very similar to Delirious, an incredible concept that fails miserably. What would you do if you could travel to your loved one's past, heal their traumas, fix their problems, and change them into the perfect partner? So this is almost like a Groundhog Day kind of thing. Okay. Now, the premise and the execution of this movie are incredible. There are some moments that are – the idea behind it is fun and inventive. Pete Davidson and Kaylee Cuoco have no chemistry. And they're together in 90% of the scenes of this movie. It is the two of them over and over and over and over again. Because very similar to like Palm Springs and Groundhog Day, they relive this same day over and over and over again. But only one of them knows that they're reliving it. One of them. Is (sighs) is <sighs> this movie's fucking bad yeah it is when you watch the movie and you understand the premise of the movie it makes you even more upset because you're like oh this movie could have been amazing and sam it is not it is not amazing sam this movie is actively bad and i beg you to avoid it at all costs With the exception of, hey, I'd like to see the idea of an incredibly great movie wrecked by two horrible performances from two people who have zero chemistry. Kaylee Cuoco on The Big Bang Theory as the um, character Penny is a character and performance that I love. Her performance and character... As, what's her character's name? Sheila. She's a fucking psychotic. And I don't root for her at any point. Especially as the movie goes along and she starts making even worse decisions with the quote-unquote powers that she has. Pete Davidson is horrible. There is one, one, off the top of my head, there might have been a couple other, but there's one genuine laugh out loud moment that I was, it was shocking and funny at the same time. I'll give it that. The rest of the movie is absolute garbage. I almost, I almost want you to watch it. So you can see what an incredible waste of a premise this was. But at the same time, I'm like, please don't watch this. It's really fucking bad. Did you just watch
0: this because it's the 2022? Is yeah. that Was that your reason behind it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really too bad. Yeah.
0: I don't think I'll be watching this.
1: This is a one out of five.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I always love when we can give... Give something a one on here and feel good about it, you know. I feel great. I feel. Yeah, great. you seem like you feel
1: great about it. Yeah, it is. It's in the running for worst film of the year. Nice. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a
0: Pete Davidson guy. I don't know where you got that impression. I have I mean, no idea. Where I don't. I, I don't necessarily dislike him. Okay, but I don't. I don't think he's made any movie better that I've seen him in. Like King of Staten Island, for instance, he's the lead in that movie, and you know, it was it was okay. Wait. Did you see that
1: movie? I did. Didn't like it. Yeah. I, I think I've seen it twice and I got 3 both times. Okay. When we're talking about Pete Davidson movie, we're talking about where he's the lead, right? Not just a movie he's been in. I can't in. even think of that movie. He that many movies he's been in though. Okay, there's one movie that he was in that I liked. Oh, set it up. He was a minor character in that romantic comedy from Netflix that I really like, set it up. I haven't I haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh I definitely enjoyed it a lot. Hmm. Okay. Um Fuck those guys. Fuck that movie. Let's get into a movie that I do enjoy, and that is City Slickers. Cool. Released June 7th, 1991, directed by Ron Underwood. Do you recognize that director's name? I don't. Tremors. Nice. Uh, Written by Lowell Gowns and Babalu Mandel, starring Billy Crystal, Jack Palance, Daniel Stern, and Bruno Kirby. Has a Metascore of 70, a Letterbox score of 3.3. It won one Oscar. Best Supporting Actor for Jack Palance, and that was the only Oscar nomination it got that year. It had a budget of $27 million. It grossed $124 million in 1991, which I think made it the fifth-highest-grossing film of the year. It grossed 179 worldwide, and the plot? On the verge of turning 40, an unhappy Manhattan yuppie is roped into joining his two friends on a cattle drive in the southwest. Now, before we get into our spoiler free discussion, Sam had never seen this movie, and he gave us his thoughts on what this movie might have been about. What movie are we reviewing next
0: week? Next week, episode 234. Gonna be moving on to City Slickers.
1: Have you seen City Slickers? Haven't.
0: Oh, Sam. What's the movie City Slickers about? You know, the funny thing is, I'm pretty sure last week you told me something about it, and I literally cannot remember what it was. Perfect. (laughs) So I have no idea. City Slickers. Um, I am going to say um, the image of Swingers is still fresh in my mind. That's probably wrong, but for the sake of this segment where Sam predicts the movie, uh, I'm going to say City Slickers is a feel-good buddy road trip movie to New York. where. We're going from the suburbs, and we're going to New York, and we're we're, we're having a good time um, seeing the shows and doing the tourist thing and probably getting into some shenanigans. Okay. Uh, my gut tells me that's not correct. My gut tells me it's a little more serious than that. Okay. It, my gut tells me it's a little more on the drama than the comedy, but, but I don't know. The, the image of Swingers is just so fresh in my head.
1: Okay. Do you even know anybody that's in this movie? I don't. I have no idea. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> cool. All right.
0: So... I can see now why you asked if I knew why anybody <laughs> was in this movie, because obviously if i if I had even taken a glance at the cast list, yeah, I would have known that my prediction that it's more more on the drama side than comedy would have been incorrect. um That is the first time we've done that segment, or at least the first time in a long time that we've done that segment where I think I just whiff like every everything that came my way was nope incorrect about um the the inclusion of New York. I'll give myself a half point.
1: <laughs> like, you can take anything you can. All but right. I literally,
0: I literally have them going the wrong direction. Yes. Yeah, I have them going to the city. Yes. I did not uh, consider that this w- that the title would be almost dare I say tongue in cheek. Hmm. I did not consider that. So yeah, swing and a miss for me on that one.
1: No worries. It, that's why I I always <laughs> it's such a small part, but it just brings me such joy to hear you try to guess what movies are about. Yeah, and I mean I we've talked about
0: this before, but I do really try to not know anything about these movies. Cause I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to have any preconceived notions. I don't want to expect that I'm going to be getting a comedy and then be disappointed when I don't get it. You know, like I want to try to go in with a blank slate and give the movie a fair shake, yeah. whatever, whatever that movie is.
1: It's one of the, it's one of the fun things about, about these mini series that we do. So Sam, what are your spoiler free thoughts on city slickers?
0: Yeah. Um, so I obviously had no idea what it was going to be about. I don't think I'd ever heard of this movie, which is funny because now that I'm looking at it, it seems like it was a massive hit at Huge. the time. Just absolutely massive. Huge. Like, it, from what I can tell, this is arguably one of the seminal Billy Crystal movies.
1: It's the second biggest, in my yeah, opinion.
0: After uh, Harry Met Sally? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, like, a very, very important movie for for his career in particular. Um, I can... I, I don't know your thoughts on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go ahead and guess that you fucking love this movie. And the primary reason for that is because of the close male friendships <laughs> at the center of this movie. I know that's like a... You and I know each other's movie tastes pretty good at this point. Sometimes you can't really put your finger on why one of us is going to like a movie. You just kind of know it. In this case, I know that the, the huge amount of focus on these three uh, and their bond... Must be a huge selling point for you. And it was a big selling point for me, too. Um, Seeing these three men grow both individually and as a collective and achieve things that they did not think they were going to be capable of was really a treat. Yeah. It was it was really, really well executed, well realized. Um, Not the kind of movie that would really get made today, I don't think. Certainly not with the kind of budget, the kind of scope, the kind of star power that it had. Back then, and it certainly wouldn't have been fifth in the box office for 1991. No. Like this is the kind of movie that is a casualty of 21st century cinema, Agreed. as far as I'm concerned. Agreed. Um, not to mention all of the things that are done practically in this movie. We'll get into specifics on a couple of things that are done practically that are just fucking mind blowing. I did read that um, all of these actors are doing their own stunts yes. as well. Yes, which feels just like a fucking nightmare. Um, from an insurance perspective and from a production perspective, it really seems like that is something that would not happen anymore as well. But as we've talked about before, uh, when actors can do their own stunts, as uh, as much as film producers and insurance agents and uh, <laughs> and agents for actors really don't want to set that precedent of letting actors do their own stunts, it really allows the director to do a lot of stuff they wouldn't be able to do otherwise to get a lot of shots with the actors in frame where otherwise, if you wanted to have a stunt double, you'd have to, you know, insert some choppy editing or some different camera angles. You have to use some camera trickery to kind of get around the fact that you don't really have your actors doing these things. Yep. Um, So doing your own stunts is not just a flex thing. It's not just like a look at me, how manly I am for doing my own stunts. It really does lend itself to the movie if it's done right with the right director. Agreed. Um, And the movie is better off for it. Um, This feels like uh, a contemporary hero's journey story. This just feels like um, our hero is at home, dissatisfied with his life. He gets a call to adventure and has to go to a very foreign, very unfamiliar environment where he initially is not successful. And... Goes on an adventure with a number of colorful characters and returns home having changed.
1: I never thought of the it movie is, is a it, hero's journey. It is a, it
0: is a hero's journey movie. Unbelievable. It's a, it's a comedic hero's journey and it's executed really well. And what makes the hero's journey such a cathartic story um, is thinking about where our character is at the beginning and where he is at the end. I won't give specifics right now, but there was one scene kind of towards the beginning of the movie that once I had finished, I wanted to rewatch it just as I was reviewing for favorite scenes and stuff like that. And so I, the the credits roll and I instantly go, okay, I want to rewind to that other scene. And I go all the way back to the beginning and this wasn't my intention, but I really felt like I was watching a different character. Like I, I just seen Billy Crystal's character at the very end. And then I watched the scene of him at the very beginning. I'm like, wow, those two people are severely different. And, the fact that the journey from character A to character B is believable is really just a testament to how fucking good the script is and uh, how good a performance that all of our main characters are giving. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to leave it there for now. Um, partially because my computer crashed just as, <laughs> <I saw that. laughs> just as I was trying to read some notes. I need a new fucking computer so badly. Um, so I'll leave it at that for right now. Uh, that was basically the gist. But I, I was really impressed by City Slickers. I was really happy to go into it uh, relatively blind. Wasn't expecting something so big in scope and uh, something so heavy on stunts and uh, and things of that nature. Um, but the the well-made nature of the movie uh, in tandem with a number of good laughs and some really, really touching heartfelt moments. Um, like a couple of moments, which shouldn't have had me on the verge of tears, but nearly did. Yeah. Um, it really touched me at, at some points. Um, and also just shout out to Norman. <laughs> 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 Big fan of Norman. Love, love Norman in this movie.
1: Fantastic.
0: Cool. Manny uh, hit me.
1: Uh, So I saw this movie – I would have seen this movie probably in late 91. I did not see this in theaters, but I saw this on home video. Oh, man. Like this is another movie I've seen countless, countless times. I have always loved this movie. Your uh, assumption or guess uh, of my love for this film is 100% correct. I was going to try and play it off. I just can't. This movie is one that I enjoy watching over and over and over again. I think, I think I might have watched this movie three times this year alone. Wow! Uh, I can't remember the reason that I first watched it, and then I've I definitely watched it. Obviously I watched it for the podcast, but I think I watched it again uh, just because this movie brings me joy, and one of the reasons is the exact reason you brought on. The, the male friendship. The camaraderie and the chemistry between Daniel Stern, Bruno Kirby, and Billy Crystal is fantastic. You fully believe that these are three lifelong friends. Uh, they intimate that uh, at one point in the in the movie that they've been friends since they were children. and that's one hundred percent believable. I love how different the three of them are, but how well they complement each other how well they play off one another and i think the i i'm still reeling and my mind is blown over your hero's journey uh analogy it is fantastic what one of the many things uh i love about this film is how well drawn out these characters are for a comedy uh billy crystal does i've always i didn't think of it the hero's journey but he goes on a great arc but so does daniel stern And so does Bruno Kirby. Not to the same extent that Billy Crystal does, but they have their own arcs within the film. And they, too, are also believable. The laughs I get from this movie are those feel-good laughs. The simple little quick one-liners that Billy Crystal delivers perfectly. His comedic timing is unreal these little quips he gets off, uh, and some of the moments. All the other characters in the film are definitely enjoyable. Jack Palance is amazing as Curly. Uh, The great thing today, one of my coworkers, he'll randomly throw me movie quotes. Uh, A lot of the times they're from movies that I, I, I don't like, so I don't get the references. Usually comedies. But just today, he asked me, Hey, Curly, did you kill anybody today? And I immediately replied, Dane over. Dane over yet. Yeah, Dane over yet. And he was so happy because he had actually said that quote to somebody else at work and they didn't, they're like, I don't get it. Oh, man. So I, and then I told him, I'm like, I'm fucking reviewing that movie tonight. Hmm. Uh, it's an incredibly well written movie that, like you said, it has these heart felt moments that and one in particular I cannot wait to talk about and I just it's just a it's just a thoroughly well-made movie that they just don't make anymore and it's sad I I, I agreed if this movie is made today there's no way it's going to be the fifth highest grossing film of the year it probably wouldn't even make the top 30 and it's sad that to think like, people were going out in droves to see this movie at the movie theater. And I can just imagine sitting in that theater and hearing everybody just laughing. I can't remember the last time I went to a comedy at the movie theater. I really can't. And how sad is that? Mm-hmm. Oh, that breaks my heart. To I, do, I, I can't remember the last time I went to a comedy at the movie theater now I think about it. I'm going to have to check my diary and see what movies. Hold on. You know what? What movies have I seen this year? Uh, uh, while while you're looking that up, I can at
0: least briefly say, now that I've got my computer back up and running again, yeah. one of the things that I didn't like out of the beginning of this movie, or maybe I shouldn't say I didn't like it, just um, that I had a tough time relating to, is the fact that all these characters uh, just go on these really exotic, fancy vacations. Like our opening scene is in Barcelona for the running of the bulls um at least i think that that's in barcelona right i think that anyway it's in spain um <laughs> yeah the uh the running of the bulls and the fact that billy crystal's character is just having such a crisis over the fact that he can't do this anymore and he's like not a young man anymore i'm just like oh please boo fucking who that you get to take all these fancy vacations with your friends and your loved ones like just so not a problem i can relate to so that was right off the gate that i had trouble kind of relating to a few of them but i mean as the movie progressed it got a lot easier
1: okay i actually do know the last comedy uh and it's a movie you and i went to together but it wasn't a packed house uh, Clerks 3 Oh, shit. Very true. Now, you probably got to experience someone laughing loudly as the person was sitting right next to you. Yeah, it was you. <laughs> you did not get to experience the same. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, and that looks to be, like, the only comedy I saw in the theaters this year. All the other comedies I watched, I watched at home. Oh. Um, okay. Should we get into the spoilers? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We're going to spoil City Slickers in 3, 2, 1, Go Fuck Yourself. Notable scenes. Start us off, Sammy boy.
0: I'll uh, I'll start chronologically with Career Day. Okay. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, Career Day I thought was a really uh, really good scene. Um, by the way, instantly recognized. Instantly recognized. Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting by myself on my couch and just a uh, full point at the TV. That's fucking Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: I'm so glad you saw it because I'm I'm going to assume I, I was. I almost wanted to ask you I'm like skip the opening credits. Yeah. The opening credit scene. I, I didn't I didn't notice his name. Perfect. I did not notice his name. Cuz I I didn't want that to get ruined and I <laughs> I was hoping to see your surprise when he comes on screen.
0: Yeah. I uh, I was definitely surprised. I was 100% surprised. I found out after the fact this was his uh, debut. Yes, this it was it his was. film debut. He's yep. got to be like like 9 years old maybe. I would say about there. Yeah. Something in there. Uh,
1: really unmistakably un- just looks so much like himself it's crazy he's yes. barely
0: aged a day um, what fucked me up that i looked up after is that jake gyllenhaal now is almost as old as billy crystal is at the time this movie came out yep <laughs> i think i did the math billy crystal was like 43 or something when this came out jake gyllenhaal is currently like 41 mm-hmm. something like that so we're uh, we're getting up there um anyway career day i was really surprised to see jake gyllenhaal and uh, I don't have a ton of experience with Billy Crystal in film necessarily. Oh, fair. Um, I again, I was just born a little bit too late to really experience a lot of his films. A lot of them that I have seen have been me going back and watching them. Yep. Um, but I this career day sketch, uh, this career day scene, while it is really funny, is also a testament to his acting chops as well. He's really looking like he's just on the verge of a breakdown. Yeah. Here. And this whole monologue he gives about how quickly life passes you by is uh, obviously relatable (laughs) to just about anybody. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) I like the reaction shots we get of the teacher just trying to silently talk him down (laughs) or something or trying to silently calm him down. Yeah. Um, But yeah, this was one of the first, uh, I wouldn't call it a belly laugh, but this definitely got a a laugh out of me this uh this career day part
1: the what the whole like little monologue he ha- yeah uh, the little... i shouldn't say little monologue the big monologue he has, yeah it's but, impressive
0: yeah about how when you're 80 you yeah. have a stroke and your wife doesn't like your nerve it's like so oddly specific <laughs> <laughs> but so resonant at the same time yeah yep. it was really funny
1: good i'm glad you like that yeah it's a, it's a good scene uh i always i've always enjoyed that scene it's a great it's a great monologue i also love just the small moment that uh I, I can't remember Jake's character's name, but he lies about what his dad does at the beginning. You know, what does he say he is again? He's a submarine captain. Right. <laughs> and then uh he's uh he works for uh WBLM. hmm W Black Lives Matter? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and his description of his
0: career is so boring. People yeah. keep guessing more exciting careers than what he has and he has to keep going actually no yeah. i don't have that power i actually yeah uh
1: yeah great great start uh i, I, I do I, oh. again
0: this ties back to what i was saying in the non-spoiler section though like the fact that he's so disillusioned with his job how he just kind of has no real job in the first place but he's making executive money it mm-hmm. appears let's like i couldn't help but think a little bit boo fucking who <laughs> I don't know. You have this this great family and all this money, and
1: I mean, I, everybody likes to be professionally fulfilled, of course. You have this job that pays you well. Yeah. You have a family that loves you. You have two best friends who adore you. That you have incredible credit, and who about. would
0: work every weekend for a year so
1: that you get a trip. And you go on these international vacations every year. Yep, every year. Uh, world's smallest
0: violin. Yeah, from me while the movie still holds up this like does not ruin my enjoyment of the movie 100%. in in the first like 20 minutes of this movie i was kind of like who fucking cares you know like not 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 uh lacking of of an, any enjoyment or anything like that but i definitely was not <laughs> i was not sympathizing with billy crystal as, may- as much as maybe i could have
1: i i totally understandable. yeah uh I'll stick with chronological as well. Then uh, my first scene is going to be the dinner party, his birthday party. Oh, cool. Yeah, good pick. <laughs> um, Jake is perfect as that young kid showing off that he can separate his shoulder. Uh, he, Th- this, is the second, uh, this is the second time it happens in the movie, and this is really important to me, and I'm going to get into this, into the legacy of the film. But Phil pretending to be asleep. <laughs> so he doesn't have to talk to his wife That's a funny bit it is a funny <laughs> bit he does it earlier on the plane, and then he does it here um and it's small little things like um Mitch comes over and says, "You know he knows he's not sleeping, he's pretending, and so he wakes up and then <laughs> uh and then Ed comes over he's like, "Oh good, you're awake yeah. it's just little <laughs> li- these little quick lines that he says mm-hmm. um." The friends are so good to one another, and this again plays into exactly what you said. This is about male friendship. It's a it's a movie. It's a movie about friendship. It doesn't have to be male friendship. There are some female friend movies. Booksmart, Booksmart, Ethel and Louise, yep. um, that definitely resonate with me. But obviously, if this being Hollywood, there's a lot more male centric friendship movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this is again just one of the many reasons that I enjoy this movie. These guys are such great friends to one another. And uh, just like you said, this is where um, Phil reveals that he worked every weekend for a year so they could do this for Mitch. Like, that's that's incredible friendship. And I love it. Uh, they reveal the setup for the whole movie. They're going to go on the cattle drive.
0: I checked the, um, the timestamp when they revealed kind of where they're going. Um, 22 minutes feels like, a good amount of time for setup, even though I wasn't totally on board with some of the uh, relate- some of the problems of relatability yep. that the movie has. I do like that the movie doesn't feel like it needs to be in a rush to get to the cattle drive. It's mm-hmm. setting up the friendships. It's setting up um, the marital turmoil that two of our friends are experiencing, or I guess really all three of them are experiencing. Um, so it does good to set up our character's initial state so that when we get the, the cathartic conclusion of these character arcs, we sort of know where we started and it goes to show how far we've come. Yep. I like that we're spending time here.
1: And then Nancy shows up.
0: Whom I instantly recognized.
1: Recognized? Or like facially recognized. Oh, really? Yeah. I
0: I do know Yardley Smith, obviously from the one thing she's famous for. Yes. Um, But I, I mean, when I saw her at first, I went, is that Yardley Smith? And then she started talking, and I went, "Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is." If you're not who, if you're not sure who it is, I mean, you were probably watching the movie on mute. This is this is Lisa Simpson. Yeah, um, it's, it's the voice of Lisa Simpson. Keeping in mind this being 1991, um, at the time of filming, if they were filming in 1990, the Simpsons probably had not blown up yet. No, nope. um, 1989 was the season one pilot end of end of 1989 was the christmas episode that the simpsons started on yeah um so yeah she uh she was not yet a fucking rich mega superstar um i guess i i'm this is a kind of a tangent i'm surprised that the voice cast of the simpsons is not really super famous i guess harry shearer and hank azaria are um at least in the 90s they were but like yardley smith and dan Castellaneta don't really do anything else i guess why would you? Why would you? You have a cushy like fucking bazillion dollars. Uh, they probably make just an insane amount. What do you think? A million an episode? Is that even low for The Simpsons? I don't know. A
1: million as a voice actor?
0: Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know.
1: I bet you they don't make that. Oh, I don't know. Now I'm definitely intrigued. For uh,
0: some reason, I remember hearing a few years back um 800K an episode. I remember hearing that as as a number. Hmm. I could be wrong about that. I'm going to look that up. That up.
1: Uh. Again, with Nancy showing up, uh, she's having an affair with Phil, who's cheating on his wife. Uh, His wife, um, played by... Let's see here. Uh, Nope. Where are you? Arlene. Carla Tamburelli. Arlene Burquist. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely fucking nails it as the overbearing bitch of a wife she is amazing in this scene and daniel stern and hers fight is so incredible to me uh if uh, if 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 hate were people i'd be china <laughs> <laughs> what a weird way to put that, but
0: also I respect it. Um uh, by, th- by the way, the number that I found was uh, 400k an episode for the voice cast for the primary voice cast of the Simpsons. All right. Yeah. That dates back to like 2015 though, so it might be more now.
1: Well, that's s- still just an
0: astounding amount of money. Yeah. Okay. The fact that Fox can pay them that and they're just and well, they're, not, still they're still good. They're still making the show. Not Fox anymore. Oh, where are they on now? Disney
1: Oh, yeah, naturally.
0: <laughs> okay, that makes sense. That's why it's on Disney+. Plus. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, this whole scene is just great. And like you said, it sets up the, uh, the marital turmoil of all three characters. Uh, Phil's marriage is falling apart. Uh, Mitch is trapped. Tra- he feels trapped, even though he's not. Hmm. Uh, he feels trapped in his life. And Ed is unsure what he wants to do, and he just all basically he just doesn't want to become his own father. We don't learn that until later, but we don't we don't know that Phil's actually having marital troubles until later in the movie. Mm -hmm. He seems to be he has an underwear model for a wife. He's he appears to have everything perfect, and that's one of the great things about this movie. uh, Later on, is these friends start to reveal things that they hadn't already shared with each other and that's what makes this adventure they go on different from the ones they've done in the past yeah Uh, so the dinner party scene is is a is a scene that i always always enjoy
0: no that's a really good pick that was honestly one of my uh, one of my last cuts for one that i wanted to talk about um okay so let's go here then yeah i'm going to continue chronologically um so we're we're on uh, what do they call it? The Drive? I okay. guess. It's Cattle Drive. Yeah, we're on the Cattle Drive. Okay. Uh, Mitch delivering Norman. Okay. <laughs> That's the next big one that I have. All right. Um, What a fucking scene. What an absolutely incredible scene. I. This is the one, when I said off the top, I wanted to go back and rewind to rewatch the scene. This is the one I wanted to rewatch because okay. um, I was fairly confident that this was a real birth that I had watched yes otherwise just just an exceptional prosthetic or practical effect yep um so yeah I I guess I'm not totally when you rewatch it you can see the fact that the mother isn't moving yes. is it's kind of a it's kind of a giveaway yeah um but this literally just looks like a birth yes it, it looks completely real I um you seem like you know some details about this scene like how did they shoot this
1: oh it's well if. It, I'm going to go under the assumption you feel almost the same way that um, Jack Palance and Billy Crystal have great chemistry together. They do. Okay, Absolutely. perfect. do. This scene, I, uh, I listened to the commentary on the movie, which has Daniel Stern, uh, Billy Crystal, and the director, Ron Underwood. This scene in particular had my mind blown. So this scene, they filmed three... It's not all filmed together. So the shots that have Jack Palance and Billy Crystal together, they were both on set that day. When one of them isn't on screen, the other one is not there, at all. Wow! So when Jack, when they when they do a close up of Jack Palance, Billy Crystal's not there. Hmm. Despite all that, they have this incredible chemistry within the scene. The mother cow uh, is fake, not not a real cow. And the body that he's reaching into and all that, shall we say, um, I don't know, the gunk. <laughs> the gunk on him. Um, I can't remember what it was. It was It's some type of jelly. It's not KY jelly, yeah. um, but some other stuff. But it was so cold on there, it was freezing to Billy Crystal's skin. Oh, wow. And Billy Crystal was worried that he was getting frostbite. It was so cold. Whoa. So he would have to go, and and so that was one of the stories you hear. Um, but yeah, it's when you're just watching the movie for the movie itself, you don't notice that the the mother cow's not moving, and you're just kind of enjoying the scene for what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah, uh, Nor- Norman, who you uh, said that you enjoy very much, uh, there's about twelve Normans yeah. in the movie because obviously during filming the cows grow up very quickly, mm-hmm. so they had to keep replacing it with new Normans. Um, but the one the one, the first one that comes out, um, is uh, is the one that Billy Crystal said he liked the best, and him and that cow actually had a bit of a bond, from what Billy Crystal said. Uh, very enjoyable scene, and uh, yeah, I- I'm 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 very glad you picked this one. Yeah, um, I I don't know if I have a
0: ton more to actually say about the scene, but I I was just. Absolutely blown away by the effect. It looked very, I was convinced that Billy Crystal delivered a calf.
1: I know, i 100% like, if someone had told me that that was a real calf being born, I would have had, I I would not have doubted it. The only reason I know that's not is because I learned it was not.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah, the fact that they're not actually in the same room together for a lot of that scene is uh, a testament to the direction and the editing because yeah. that is a tough thing to pull off. That's usually – that'll stick out like a sore thumb Yes, uh, if that is actually the case.
1: Speaking of editing, uh, they're talking about uh, – I don't know if you have picked this scene, but I'm just going to mention it because I, I probably doubt you are. But near the end of the movie uh, where uh, Mitch uh, lassos Norman in the river, mm-hmm. he was on a talk show, and the host asked him, like, how did you lasso that calf? And he goes, Editing. <laughs>
0: yeah a lot of that going on in this movie yeah uh, very very convincing and i mean with them actually doing their own stunts again it leads credence to a lot of the other things in the movie that you see
1: yep uh all right uh i know that's later i'm gonna go with oh okay this would be around the around the time that you just said um oh actually this one came before so i'm gonna do this one this is a little bit earlier is it earlier No, it's around this time. It's around this time. Um, The Ice Cream Showdown. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, It's a play on the Western shootout. It's – even the music makes it feel like it's a shootout.
0: And then the ultra close-ups on the eyes. Yes. Uh,
1: For those – I don't know if you're listening to this without watching the movie. We have two characters who are obvious. Either you want – whatever, however you want to put it. They're either rip-offs or their homage to Ben and Jerry. Mm -hmm. It's two brothers who have have this ice cream empire, and they are, while enjoying a movie, one brother asks the other, you know, what ice cream would go great with this, and he says a flavor. And uh, they claim that the one brother can pick any flavor ice cream to go with any meal. And then... Mitch thinks it's kind of funny, so he goes, oh, frankenbeans. And, and the guy goes, one scoop of chocolate, one scoop of vanilla. Don't waste my time. <laughs> and then he throws down the metal plate. Then that's when the music kicks in. Mm-hmm. And Billy Crystal comes up with this huge elaborate meal to try and stump him. <laughs> and then he just – I can't remember the ice cream he picks. Rum raisin, I think. Rum raisin. And, but the two brothers, when they get something right, when they start going, woof so stupid and dumb still makes me laugh mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's just this I just love the play on the western shootout in this western comedy uh, it always it doesn't get a full on laugh but it definitely makes me smile and just makes me feel good I, it's just a very enjoyable scene for me
0: yeah, this was not on my list uh, at all, but um, I did enjoy it. It's it's a very silly scene yeah. uh, in this movie, which, of course, is needed for a comedy. So nothing, nothing wrong with it at all. Um, Billy Crystal's reaction is very authentic. He's like, what are you celebrating? How do you know he's right? <laughs> 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 yeah, very silly. Awesome. What's uh, next? I'm going to go basically to the tonal opposite of the ice cream scene. Oh, here we go. That's Curly's eulogy actually, oh, is the next next thing chronologically I had. I thought this was very touching. I mean, we did see, um, first of all, the interactions between Mitch and Curly were really nice, talking about the one thing. Um, Mitch grew a lot in their short time together, and the movie does a great job of showing, even in their short time, of how he grew because of it um, and how he grew to respect Curly, uh, even though he feared him at first. So the fact that, uh, is Cookie the character's name? Yeah. Cookie kind of refuses to give a real eulogy. Um, Billy Crystal only really says a few words. He maybe talks for 20 seconds yep. about Curly, but something about it it could be in his performance, could be in the writing, could be in the context leading up to it, could be a combination, but something about it just really felt touching to me. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is largely about these men opening up and becoming vulnerable with each other. And this felt like one of the first moments we see Mitch's character... Um, begin to become a little bit vulnerable yep. and talk about what this other man meant to him in only a short period of time. I thought it was really beautiful.
1: Nice. yeah, I like that. Okay, um, I'm going to circle back a little bit. F- uh, just go a little bit back. Uh, you touched on, upon this. Um, one of my favorite scenes is the just one thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mitch and Curly beginning to bond. Uh, the discussion of being in love. Curly's story of the lady he saw once and how I, could it get better than that he says that and then uh and Mitch is like I like that no no I don't like she could have been the love of your life she was yeah. <laughs> oh, I just it's so beautiful um and then he goes you know do you, you know what the secret of life is he just holds, he's like, like hold your, your finger little, <laughs> your, your finger one thing just one thing and he's like well what's that one thing he's like that's what you have to figure out I'm like oh my god that is really really deep very wise yeah uh a lot more in this movie than what you'd expect from such a broad comedy and it's just a really great scene between mitch and curly and has some real emotional resonance in it uh it's just a scene that i've always really enjoyed
0: yeah that's that's a great pick i like that a lot awesome um, i'm gonna move forward but we're keeping it keeping it vulnerable keeping vulnerability to be the theme There we go um this one uh I've called this scene best day, worst day.
1: That's the name of the scene. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Best day, worst day. Uh, it's kind of a natural progression in all of our friends arcs. They're all, um, very, uh, they're all very jovial with each other from the very beginning. They're all very friendly, of course, but they've never, they've never really been truly vulnerable with each other the way that they have on this trip. And this is just a further progression in that vulnerability. Um, Them talking about the best day of their life and the worst day. Um, I'm told that the Billy Crystal story of him going to Yankee Stadium and seeing Mickey Mantle hit a home run is authentic. It is 100% Uh, true. It's actually true. Um, Really cool story. I do like all the baseball references in this movie. That's kind of half-related. But, (laughs) I mean, the Roberto Clemente-Hank Aaron debate. I mean, no disrespect to Roberto Clemente, but come on. It's Hank Aaron. The greatest right fielder in history is Ted Williams, but whatever. (laughs) i mean maybe if he didn't have a war to contend with but anyway i digress Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah seeing all of these guys uh be vulnerable with each other on this was um, not only great for the development of their friendship it also really gave some perspective to each of their individual characters like mitch for instance telling his story about his wife finding a lump and his friends go what are you talking about that's a that's a good day story. Like, the good day, the good thing is that, you know, it, nothing ever came of it and it turned out to be nothing. Like that's a, that's a positive thing. Why do you have to be so glass half empty? And we kind of learned something about our character in that moment. Yep. Um, also Bruno Kirby's character uh, refusing to play at first and being reluctant because he, he has not opened up yet in the way that our other two protagonists have, our other two in this group of friends have. Yep. Um. And as you alluded to, he's really afraid of becoming his father. And I think he's he's afraid of what the other people will think if he if he opens up about what happened to his dad um, and what happened to his family, that they'll see the same in him. Uh, you know, all of us are afraid to some extent of becoming our parents. Um, but this performance from him in the scene is really good. It's unreal. And the kind of shock to the system of the delivery of the line. Uh, and what's your worst day? Same day.
1: I just got yeah, guess.
0: it is like it's so it's so well written. It's, it's really really well written.
1: It's incredible. Uh Phil loving his wedding day uh which if you're if I was to play this game, uh, that might be my answer. Mm-hmm. My wedding day was
0: Especially if you can't pick the birth of your child.
1: Yeah, if I can't pick the birth I th- those those are the two contenders for me for the best day of my life. Mm-hmm. Is the day that my was born. I'll never forget it. The whole thing. I can still remember everything and much like this movie fuck i might get emotional <laughs> much like this movie obviously i got to share that day with julie but t-bone and Gino were at the hospital the whole time mm-hmm. and that means everything to me uh the day of my wedding ugh, my my wedding was so much fucking fun the whole day was great i was almost late for my own wedding because of a. um that f- uh the fucking, the fucking motorbike rally that happens every year the the Harleys for teddies or whatever the uh, fuck it I is I'm not sure yeah. yeah there's a big fucking parade of uh, all these people riding Harley Davidsons or or motorbikes and they all have fucking teddy bears it's some fundraiser awesome great but they fucking kept me from <laughs> 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 like we cut it way too close huh. um the little like I I I love how you how you mentioned that. Ed is very reluctant to play at first, um, and then there's the moment of silence where he says, I don't want to play, and, they, and the, his friends are like, okay, like, they're not going to pressure him. There's a moment of silence, and then Ed just starts going into it. Mm. Every time I watch this, I almost cry. Every time. Mm. Bruno Kirby is so fucking good in this little monologue that he gives about his best day. It's super impactful, Exactly what you said when they're like, Jesus, like, and then Dennis goes, Jesus, what was your worst day? Same and day. It is like, I, I can feel the tears right here, yeah. almost wanting to come out. And what I love about that, it's an incredibly emotional, powerful, and incredibly bonding moment for these three friends. And the moment the scene ends, it cuts to them playing baseball together. Mm-hmm. I fucking love this scene best day, worst day. I still have other scenes to talk about. It's the best scene in the movie. Cool. This this scene and the fact that Jack Powles wins best supporting actor are the reasons I wanted you to watch this movie. Good. Yeah. Um my pick uh, sorry. Are you oh, are you done with scenes? Oh, no. I have one more. Oh, okay, cool. Go. Cool. Um this is a hmm a nostalgia pick because I I know that you kind of grew up with these, but this scene means the world to me. And listening to the commentary, this is one of the scenes that garnered some of the most laughs. They said, uh, and that's the VCR discussion.
0: Oh yeah, I'm while I was uh, w- while I'm uh, let's say just younger than you, <laughs> oh, uh, while I'm younger than you, I do I do remember VCRs. I did have one in the home yep. probably till I was about you know seven or eight years old. Yeah, ish. Yep. I do remember them.
1: This discussion. Is 100% accurate to back then. Yeah. This, there were a ton of people that did not know how to properly set up their VCR so they could record something on one channel while still watching something on another. It boggled their mind that this was even possible. Even possible. Yeah. And I've had this exact discussion more times than I can remember.
0: Wait, but you don't need a TV? How are you supposed to watch it? Well, if you want to watch it, you need a TV. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, it was what I also love is at the beginning of that scene, the double entendre, it sounds like they're talking about almost something sexual or something like medical. They're like, you don't have to be a, a, like, you don't you don't have to be ashamed. Like a lot of people go through this. Yeah, right. And, and you're just like, what the fuck are they talking about? Um, Ed's frustration awesome shut up just shut up he's never gonna get it the cows could record something before he could i love this whole scene uh and then it ends uh, how do you do the clock again the clock completely fucked people up they had no idea how to set the clock on the vcr i this scene just brought me back to the early 90s in such a great great way It just filled me with warmth and love and nostalgia
0: yeah I uh, while I appreciated the scene, I, I'm not surprised I didn't appreciate it to the same level of you uh, as you because VCRs were already on the way out. Yes. Uh, what year did a DVD come out?
1: Uh, it came out roughly about ninety seven, right. but kind of like hit the market uh, in 98, 99. 1999 is when I bought it. Right.
0: One. Okay. I probably my family probably didn't get a DVD player until circa two thousand three ish. Um. Yeah. yeah but 96... you got yours almost right away, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Because you're a big film nerd. Because <laughs> I was stupid yeah it, it was, was like awful. i want to spend a bazillion dollars on this please i did <laughs>
1: i think my if i remember correctly my dvd player cost me 850 bucks holy shit yeah,
0: yeah. Now, now you can go to you if you get a secondhand dvd player it's probably like 30 30 to 50 bucks that's crazy yeah technology is a ton of fun um that's i have all of my scenes i have one more wicked uh you said i might not have it but i do it's the river crossing Oh, nice. I do have the river crossing on there as well. Uh, this is one of those scenes. This is kind of the main scene, actually, where you can see the actors doing their own stunts. Yes. And it's spectacular. Riding down the side of that hill and crossing the river is f- fucking like a nightmare. I don't know. Like, this is the kind of thing you don't really see in movies anymore.
1: That riding down the hill, Daniel Stern's third day on a horse.
0: Holy shit. <laughs> he
1: said, I'm going to die going down this hill. I said
0: I said to Emma uh, as, as I was watching this with her, I was like, these actors are probably shitting their pants right now. Because you can clearly see, it's just them on the horse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought this scene was so well choreographed and well shot and well constructed. Part of that is due to the fact that these actors are doing their own stunts. Yep. Um, I did feel bad for poor little Norman. It seemed like they really put a cow in the middle of the river and they seemed really like he did. was
1: really in distress. Just so you know, there was I think they said seven or eight cows were Norman for that for those shots yeah because the river was very cold so the calf was only allowed in for one take yep and then they had to replace them
0: yeah it it made me a little sad that they had that little cow in such distress We're I imagine we're not talking about the scene but same with them um, when they put the gun in its mouth I know it's not a real gun but they're really putting something in that cow's mouth <laughs> I mean, which <we're> like <laughs> a lot of that made me really sad <laughs> wasn't a big fan of all of that yep but you know in the name of art so, um, but yeah, this river crossing scene is uh, spectacular. It actually, is. it's really, really spectacular.
1: Yeah, uh, it's really well done, uh, really well shot. Uh, the rain, obviously fake. Uh, they in the commentary they talk about how they were fighting the sun. I love that the sun is shining through while it's downpouring like that. Mm-hmm. I think it just adds this really great element to the scene for some reason. Yeah, this
0: like character, this realism.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. The 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 fact that the guys are doing their own stunts, uh, adds such this, I don't know, this great realism, this great believability about what they're doing. And I love that they're, that they're working together, that they are, you know, Mitch goes to save Norm and then the boys save him. And they have this great moment together. I, I, I agree. I love, I love this whole scene. Uh, it's just a great culmination uh, of all of all their arcs. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: This, this is uh, exactly that a moment where everything, all the internal struggles that our characters have been working on uh, kind of uh, culminate in this moment. This is where our, our heroes get to kind of win their manhood back in Mm -hmm. in a way and prove their worth to themselves and to each other. Um, And uh, Mitch jumping into the river after Norm, is just such a, a great character moment, and his friends hanging off that log to to grab the two of them floating down the river together is such a, a great moment. It's such a it's such a great teamwork moment. Yep, it's such a great uh, you know character building moment. It, really, it's the climax of the movie, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's awesome.
1: Awesome, wicked. Uh, all right, your favorite scene?
0: God, I don't fucking know, man. Um, I I really. I love all of these scenes. I really do. I think any of these could be in contention for my favorite. Um,
1: Fuck. I don't know. You go first. (laughs) Uh, It's best day, worst day. Yeah. hundred percent. Hands down. I knew that going into this movie. I
0: don't know if I can give it to that. I think think the river crossing is mine. Nice. I really like the river crossing.
1: I love it. Mm. Wicked. Yeah.
0: Honestly, any of the ones that I said... um, Maybe other than career day, but uh the delivering of Norman, uh, Curly's eulogy, Best Day, Worst Day, and the River Crossing, any of those realistically could've been could have been the pick.
1: Awesome. Uh performance review. I'll start us off. Uh, I'm gonna start with the lead, Billy Crystal. Um, he's just so unhappy with himself and the way the way that his life has turned out. Now, you and I both agree it's hard for us to really feel bad for someone that has so much. Mm-hmm. but he feels like he probably should have had more, and he plays this aspect of Mitch really, really well. He goes on a great journey. Uh, I love that you point out that it really is a hero, the, the hero's journey. Uh, I never noticed that before, but I fucking love it. He has incredible comedic timing. All of his little quips, everything he says, um, how much he loves his friends, and as the movie moves on, even though he doesn't really talk about it that much it is the aspect of what he's searching for and it's it shows it's so weird that he doesn't really point out that his one thing is his family but we know that that's what he's here for so he doesn't have to say it Mm -hmm. even though he has this great bond with curly he has this great time with his friends he finds out you know he, he he finds a smile that he has lost but he's doing this whole movie is for him to remind him that he has everything that he's looking for, and that's his family. And I think Billy Crystal does a great job, both in regards to dramatic and comedic acting in this movie. That I don't know. Maybe when we get to the other movie, I might I might push him to uh, to get a nomination. <laughs>
0: I imagine that you would. Um, yeah, for some reason, there was somebody else we were talking about in similar terms recently. I can't remember exactly who it was. Um. Might have been, oh yeah, might have even been the movie that uh, we haven't even released yet uh, on our schedule. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, how you, in some roles, especially comedic ones, demand that you kind of almost need to play two different characters. Yes. Um. One character at the end, one character at the beginning. Um. Billy, Cr- I think this is one of those roles for Billy Crystal where, you really need him to be able to play the straight man, the uptight guy in the business in the suit um who uh, you know kind of doesn't really have anything figured out. He's just kind of a boring boring drab dude who is kind of going through a midlife crisis. You need to have him be able to play that and the reinvigorated energetic person yep. at the end. And he you're right, he does a really good job of kind of uh not only playing those those two roles but the transition in between and showing the arc uh having the arc kind of realize itself through his performance is uh, is well done well yep. realized by him um one of the things i do like about his arc that they decided not to do i like that the second that there's any sort of romantic spark between him and the woman in the group oh um i like instantaneously i'm married yep <laughs> i like that as like a subversion of the typical trope um, kind of does away with the will they won't they. I was expecting a little bit more of the will they won't they between the two of them. Yep. I'm glad the movie doesn't really go down that road. Me I think it would have been I would have been worse off for it.
1: Agreed, agreed. Awesome. uh Who would you like to discuss?
0: Uh, yeah. Who else did I have on here? Um, yeah. Let's do Jack Palance. Nice. Uh, nominated, nominated performance. Or sorry, one. There you go. One. Um, it could be like when I I didn't know he won until after. I watched the movie. Okay. I will say that I was surprised to learn that he had won. Um, Upon reflection and upon rewatching a couple of scenes, I do get it. Yes. Uh, It is a really good performance. I don't know this actor, actually. Or at least I don't think I know this actor. Um, I don't think I would know him from anything.
1: He's in in the Michael Keaton Batman.
0: But I I do – I respect the win because I am just so convinced of this man's cowboyhood. Yes. I – I think one of the reasons I was so surprised by the win is because it didn't even really feel like a performance. This feels like a real living, breathing person. This manly, smoldering loner who uh, who briefly connects with Mitch's character and only has a brief kind of shining moment on screen in the movie. Um, I can't point to anything specific that this guy does, but he uh, kudos to Jack Palance for making this guy feel like a real living breathing person. Mm-hmm. Whether I agree with Oscar winning, I guess we'll find out when we get to your interview. I my gut reaction is that I have my doubts, but it is a really good performance. Yep. It's a really good performance.
1: Look at Uh yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh he's like a living leather saddlebag.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think that's uh kind of a version of what Billy Crystal says, right? He's like that man. He's got that kind of leathery face about him. Yep.
1: He has incredible chemistry with Billy Crystal. The two are able to play off one another so well in their scenes together. Um, His cadence and his line deliveries are perfect. Uh, He just fully embodies this character. And like you said, makes him a believable person in an otherwise almost unbelievable role. It's, uh, it's just, it, the fact that it won the Oscar is enjoyable. Now, whether or not I feel that he should have won, you'll have to wait until we get to the year review episode. But uh, we might discuss it a little bit later on as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll go next. Sure. I want to talk about Bruno Kirby as Ed. Uh, for someone with – for a, a supporting character uh, – w- Upon this rewatch and prepping for this, I really dove deep into his character. Uh, I think he's a really great and truly deep character. He's so incredibly loyal to his friends. Uh, He can't let go of his youth, and like, and by his youth, I mean like like his manhood. It's you know, uh, early in the movie when they're in Spain on the flight back, you know, Billy Crystal makes the great joke. Have you ever noticed that you get older and your girlfriends keep getting younger, soon you'll be dating sperm. Mm-hmm. Uh he's so enthusiastic about doing these adventures and again we I feel that we didn't really we didn't realize that he's I I feel like one of the many things that he is enjoying about going on these adventures with his friends is he's living he's living the life that he let go of after his best day worst day because he became the man of his house and so he's doing all the things that a young man would do but he's doing them now Uh, he's so confident and protective of women which we don't we see him do that you know when Bonnie is being harassed by the Cowboys he wants to fight right away but we don't know why and then we find out later I did not even make that connection
0: because we find that We find that part of his character afterwards. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I did not retrospectively make that connection until right now.
1: It's immediate. Like, he is immediately, like, as soon as they see it, he is really protective, and I love that. Um, He's actually a really deep and introspective character, uh, despite his outward bravado, and his fear of having kids and commitment, again, plays into the traumas of his past. He's scared and doesn't want to become his dad. And that's why, you know, they intimate that he's even though he's had all these incredibly beautiful girlfriends in the past, he's always cheated on them. Um, and now he's found the woman that he loves, that he's married uh, and all he's worried about. He, They have those he he has those um, those what ifs uh, with Mitch, you know, like what if the spaceship landed and this beautiful woman comes down and she has sex with you and no one will ever find out Would you do it. Mm-hmm. It's all about his fear of commitment um, and becoming like his dad. And it's all these things that happen before we learn why he's that way. And I think it's just great writing and a lot of time invested in a character that while I love that he's this deep, it's actually honestly unnecessary because he's not the main character. But I found this character to be truly fascinating and really deep, and just, in my opinion, fucking awesome. Yeah, this
0: character could have been the protagonist, uh, for sure. He's got a lot going on about him. Um, definitely nothing wrong with fleshing him out to the degree that they did. Um, I'm looking through Br- Bruno Kirby's filmography right now. Um, I think I've seen him... I, I don't know if I've seen him in a movie where I disliked him, or where I disliked the movie. Uh, I mean, I've seen <laughs> Godfather 2... Spinal Tap, Good Morning Vietnam, When Harry Met Sally, City Slickers. Etc. You've seen,
1: you've seen Good Morning Vietnam. I have, yeah, nice. I've seen it once.
0: Um, probably saw it ten years ago now. Um, but yeah, that is uh, that's about everything I've seen him in. And all those movies are awesome. Yeah, all those movies are really good. So um, I actually didn't really know where I recognized this actor at first. I kind of had to look up uh, who he was, and yep. after I did, I realized I'm like, oh, I, I I couldn't actually peg which it was. I remembered him from because I can see him distinctly in all of these other films. Yeah. But I don't know which specific, it may have been Spinal Tap that I specifically recognized him from because I watched that semi-recently in yeah. like the last two I months. I think
1: out of all the movies you listed, that's the one that would be the most recent.
0: Yeah. I mean, we watched When Harry Met Sally, you and I probably saw it three years ago now. Three or four. Yeah. Yeah. So a long time. Ago. We've been doing this for a bit. We have. Yeah. We should probably think about um, monetizing it at some point. <laughs> 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 we put a lot of time into this. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I really like Bruno Kirby's uh, performance and his characterization, like you said. he He's done a lot of favors by the writing. The script is really fucking good. Yep. Um, and his characterization is really good. But um, he takes that gift that he's been given of this really good character and totally runs with it and does a really good job with it. Yep. Um, I don't specifically have anyone else I really want to touch on.
1: I want to talk about Daniel Stern then. Okay. Uh, I think his best moment is the dinner party where he finally stands up to his wife. Uh, they have a great fight. Uh, he – I did mention earlier on he has that line, if hate were people, I'd be China. Mm-hmm. But he also does this I, – you've only seen this once, so you might not be able to recollect it. But when she goes into the bedroom to use the phone, he's out in the party left alone, and he does this, I hate you more. But he does this stance and drops, drops, bends his knees, I hate you more. <laughs> and it's always just makes me like – the amount of vitriol you'd have to have to just use your body so expressively, he's finally releasing all this pent-up anger and resentment that he has towards his wife and the life that his that he has allowed himself to slip into. Uh, I've just always loved it. Um, and then when he fights the cowboys, and that's when he gets the gun and he has his breakthrough. Dude, that scene is fucking... It's fucking wild. Yeah. Um, what I love about Daniel Stern... I'll... I'll yeah. I'll, I, I mentioned it earlier. He has... He has a pretty important part in this movie, in what this movie means to me, and I'm going to get into that when we get to uh, Final Thoughts and, and the legacy of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really surprised
0: he didn't break out after this because... Within the span of 1990 to 1994, he's in uh, Home Alone, City Slickers, Home Alone 2, City Slickers 2. And I haven't seen City Slickers 2, and I've maybe seen Home Alone 2 once. Man, he's shaking his head at me right now. City Slickers 2 is not good. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Not good. Okay, so after 90 90 and 91, Home Alone and City Slickers, I'm really surprised he doesn't break out after that.
1: Uh, Do you have his IMDb up?
0: Uh, I have Wikipedia up.
1: Okay. Does it? When's he's also the narrator for the Wonder Years? When is that going on?
0: Wonder Years is eighty-eight to ninety-three.
1: Yeah. So he's doing this while doing this. Uh. This. This is the height of his.
0: Totally. Yeah. He must have thought after this came out, he must have thought, "Shit, I'm getting pretty
1: big." Yeah. Who knows how big this acting? Yeah. The Wonder Years was a really, really popular TV show, and he was the narrator on it. Mm -hmm. Um. Your favorite performance.
0: Uh, I'm probably going to go Billy Crystal. That might be controversial because uh, Jack Palance did win the Oscar. But uh, Billy Crystal just is such a good lead in this movie. The entire movie really rests on him. I agree. And I I really like him in this movie.
1: I agree. Uh, But I'm picking Bruno Kirby.
0: Nice. Also a good pick. Yeah. It's funny. I
1: I thought you were going to go Jack Palance. No. I love Jack Palance. But on this watch, uh, I just kind of really, really fell in love with the character of Ed. Cool. Uh, technical review. I'll start with the directing, Ron Underwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed one of my favorite movies, Tremors. I think he is... I think he's perfectly adequate. I don't think that he is a great director. Uh, what I think that he excels at is building the camaraderie between a cast. Like, we... Like I well I shouldn't say we like I said during our Tremors review is the chemistry between Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward is one of the main reasons I love that movie so much. Uh, the chemistry between these three friends and uh, Curly being thrown into it uh, is unbelievable. The movie looks really good. This movie this this film is shot really well. Uh, I think it's shot by Dean Simler, who also uh, shot uh, Dances with Wolves the year before. Um. <clears throat> the direction in this is, I think it's just solid. I don't think it's great enough where I'd be like, I don't whatever Ron Underwood does going forward, I'm going to watch. But it's not. Um, it's just nothing flashy. I think it, he's just a, a a good, solid director that knows that really knows how to make characters work together.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of get the uh, get the impression that he understood that he may have lightning in a bottle. Uh, with this script and with having Billy Crystal as the lead, and um, mm-hmm. especially with uh, well, with especially with Billy Crystal, but with Bruno Kirby, and uh, I, I think he kind of understood that he might have lightning in a bottle with the chemistry that these guys had yep. between each other. Whether that's because of him or whether he just decided not to get in the way of that, um, I don't think he's the kind of director in the you know two movies that I've seen of his. Um, I wouldn't be able to identify like his fingerprints on a movie. Looking, I, he, he's not somebody who seems like is trying to leave an indelible mark on the movie the way that you can just tell a Scorsese film a lot of the time, yeah. or, or you can just tell a Tarantino film. Um, but you know, he, he certainly is just letting his actors work. Yep. And that's
1: certainly one style of doing things. And it, it worked out really well the two times I've seen it. Um, the cinematography. Uh, I love the helicopter shot when, uh, when they first get to the ranch. Uh, mm-hmm. I really love. There's actually another shot. I have to assume it's a helicopter shot, but it's, it's, it, it's at the beginning of the movie where, uh, for I guess for I don't know what's exactly it's called, but Billy Crystal's on that gondola and he's just so sad, mm-hmm. and it's, the it, the camera pulls back and the gondola kind of moves along. He's just just defeated in life. The there's just some really. I can't go so far as to say, like beautiful, but the cinematography in this is—it's a nice-looking movie that could have looked a lot worse. Um, so I, I like the cinematography. Yeah, they're certainly at least paying some attention to yep. the
0: cinematography. It's above what it needs to be for a comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing spectacular, but good at least. Um, I—I'll also just want to interject and say um, your inclusion of the shot of the uh, from the helicopter. Uh, reminded me of one of the technical aspects that I wanted to review, uh, which is the score. Uh, that really swelling—the um, only real word I can think of to describe this score in this scene—is triumphant. Yep. Um, the score when we get into is New Mexico that they're that they're in at this time. Mm-hmm. When we get to New Mexico and the and the brass swells, we get this triumphant, this like nice, very like almost almost cheesy theme yep. is really cool. Really suits the movie well um not going to go down as one of my favorite scores I think but um
1: f- suits the movie very very well 100% agree uh and the last one I want to touch on is the screenplay uh I find it funny and heartwarming at the same time this is a very well written movie and uh I absolutely love uh I love the, I love the screenplay
0: cool yeah that's a that's a really good pick as well um you know we talked a lot about the characterization of both Mitch and of uh, Bruno Kirby's character whose name escapes me Ed yeah and, and of Phil like how their interactions with each other and their growth as individuals are so well realized a lot of that testament goes to the to the screenwriter as well yep uh, alright your favorite
1: technical aspect
0: I think I'm going to leave it there I think we am going to leave it at the script at the screenplay
1: I'm with you screenplay for me
0: uh, favorite quotes lead us off favorite quotes I got five all go right. figure max it out um off the top number one billy crystal have you ever had that feeling that this is the best i'm ever gonna do oh. this is the best i'm ever gonna feel and it ain't that great oh. excellent line to set up the beginning of our character arc yes number two is from uh a surprisingly underwritten female part in uh in the 1990s um we had different needs talking about her ex-boyfriend we had different needs. I needed him to treat me decently and get a job, and he needed to empty my bank account and leave. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number three uh, is Billy Crystal again. Um, See, women need a reason to have sex. Men just need a place. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another one that I I really, I I can't really explain to you why I found this line so funny. Maybe this is a common saying. I just haven't heard it before. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll jump off that bridge when we come to it. A, a variation on we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yep. I don't know if I had just never heard that before, but I, I thought that was funny. Uh, and then the exchange, uh, hey, Curly, kill anyone today? Dane over yet. <laughs> Dane
1: over yet. Nice. What do you got, manny Um, all right. Ah, uh, there's, I don't, I don't need to see it. it. It is, uh, Mitch's monologue at, uh, uh, career day. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, next up is Curly. I crap bigger than you. Cool. Uh, next is uh, an exchange between Curly and Mitch. Do you know what the secret of life is? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. You stick to that, and the rest don't mean shit. But what is the one thing? That's what you have to find out. Uh, and then Mitch. Women need a reason to have sex. Men just need a place. And lastly, is from Mitch again. Ed, have you noticed that the older you get, the younger girlfriends get? Soon you'll be dating sperm. Nice, all good picks. Uh, what's your pick? Uh,
0: hey, curly, kill anyone? <laughs> kill anyone today? Day ain't over yet.
1: Oh, I wish I'd picked that one. Now. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna go with uh, women need a reason to have sex; men just need a place. That's a good one too. That was probably my one of my hardest laughs. Yeah. Um, what was the weak link of the film?
0: Um, gosh, I don't really want to say, uh, the first 20 minutes because I did actually enjoy it and I thought all the setup was necessary. We did gripe a fair amount about the relatability of Billy Crystal's struggle. You know, Mm -hmm. the man has everything and he's just too stupid to see it. Um, gosh, I don't know. Um, I think, I think I will leave it at the, the opening act, Okay, but that's not really an indictment on the opening act. It's just kind of a testament to the rest of the movie.
1: Okay. Um, Mine is – I've always had a problem with this, and it's because it's probably missing something. There's probably something that's going to cut. But after the cowboys get drunk and leave the group, um, Ed and Phil go off to herd the cattle by themselves, and Mitch decides to go back with the rest of the group, and they have a fight. They fight. They split apart. The scene ends. It cuts to the next day with Ed and Phil struggling to keep the herd together. And then Mitch shows up. There's no scene where Mitch feels bad that they fought. There's no scene of Mitch with the other group heading back to civilization and realizing, no, I need to be with my friends. It's just all of a sudden he shows up.
0: That's fair. It's always bugged me. That's a fair pick. I did not pick up on that, but now that you mentioned it, I do agree.
1: Yep. Uh, Right. You ready for some trivia? Yeah. Uh, All right, we already talked about uh, the story that Billy Crystal tells about his best day is true. Uh, Daniel Stern declined the riding lessons offered for the movie in order to better convey his character's inexperience at horse riding. Okay. I mean, I did get that. Yep. For sure. Uh, Another true story from Billy Crystal's life portrayed in the movie is the wake-up call from his mother on his birthday. Uh, according to the DVD commentary, his mother would call him on his birthday at around 5 o'clock in the morning and verbally reenact the event over the phone. The rendition in the film is word for word, the true story of Billy Crystal's birth. Which is awesome. And uh, really funny Billy Crystal melding along with it yes. as well. <gasps> uh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Billy Crystal, Billy Crystal liked the horse he rode so much he bought him. Hmm. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's film debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go. Uh, the cow giving birth used a puppet calf as several takes were wanted. The shot of Norman getting to his feet was real footage taken just after the birth. Billy Crystal actually assisted in the delivery. Six calves were used in all, and Crystal arranged for them all to live full lives on a farm. The shots featuring Crystal were filmed in Colorado, but the shots from the same scene featuring Jack Palance were filmed in New York. Yeah. Shout out to the editor again. For making that work. Um, Billy Crystal's on-screen daughter was played by Billy's real-life daughter, Lindsay. Okay. Uh, Billy Crystal's a notoriously diehard New York Yankees fan wears a New York Mets hat in the film. As explained by Crystal in the commentary, he did this because the New York Mets had made a major contribution and helped out his annual comic relief charity.
0: Oh, that's very sweet. Yeah.
1: Uh, Bruno Kirby was extremely allergic to horses. Prior to each day of filming involving a horse, he required an injection of allergy medication to get through the day shooting. Got to be able to respect that. Yep. Uh, The characters Ira and Barry were inspired by real-life ice cream entrepreneurs Ben and Jerry. In a 2015 Reddit AMA, the real-life duo revealed that most people assumed it really was them in the film. They added that in real life, they can't recommend the perfect ice cream for any meal. <laughs> I'm sure they could do their best. Uh, the movie's title did not easily translate into foreign languages. In France, it was called La Vie, L'Amour, La Vache. Literally, life, love, and cows. <laughs> and in Italy, it was S'cabo della Citta, La Vita, L'Amour, La, la Vache. That translated would sound, I ran away from the city, life, love, and cows. <laughs> In Greece, it was, I'm not going to bother trying to say Greece, Tiakas Babastin Agredisi, which means, so what did you do in the far west, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, casting what ifs. Uh, Rick Moranis was cast alongside Billy Crystal and Bruno Kirby, but left the project because his wife was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, and retired from acting entirely. Yep. Uh, according to Billy Crystal, Charles Bronson turned down the role of Curly in an unseemly way, which he reveals in his 2013 book, Still Foolin' Him. Basically hmm. told Billy Crystal to fuck off. Cool. Good man. Uh, Harvey Keitel auditioned for the role of Curly. Would have been good. A little too young, probably, but good. Uh, Robin Williams was considered for the role of Mitch, Phil, or Ed, but was already committed to star in Hook. Would have been a good Mitch, but... Not that I'm disappointed at all with Billy Crystal. Uh, He would have been too over the top for Mitch. Hmm. Wouldn't have made a good ad. I don't believe Robin as a Lothario. Do you believe him holding a gun to a cowboy's head? That would have to be him as Phil. Yeah. Yes, I do. Hmm. Okay. So you like him as Phil. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, And Clint Eastwood was considered for the role of Curly, but wanted way more money than the budget could afford.
0: He was who I really like they're clearly trying to evoke an Eastwood sort
1: of idea. Yep. All right, closing credits. Would you watch this movie again? Sure I would. Oh fuck, yeah. I've watched this movie a thousand mm-hmm. times. Would you recommend this movie to friends? Not
0: only w- would I, but I would also recommend they watch it with me.
1: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I totally think so, this is a good friendship movie. Uh MVP of the film?
0: Uh Billy Crystal.
1: Billy Crystal is the MVP of the film. Yes. Uh recommend a good double feature for this movie?
0: I struggled with this one a bit. Um, I initially just went with the easy City Slickers two. Not only is that uh, (laughs) even though uh, you haven't seen it, yeah. Not only is that a cop out answer, but it's also just apparently not a good movie. No, it's horrible. uh, um, I also thought maybe when when Harry met Sally, just for Billy Crystal's performance. But I think I think my actual answer um, might be a little less might might require some justification. But I went with Stand by Me um just because of the the themes of friendship uh sharing trauma with each other being vulnerable i with that that
1: was one of my one of my opening i think i had a list of 5 and that was one of them i oh, okay. love where you're going with it yeah um so i have a similar i was having a hard time picking between two yeah. so my first selection uh is tag for the exact same reason oh good that's that's a really good pick yeah and my other one is my cousin vinny because mm-hmm. it is a comedy from the following year 1992 with a Best Supporting Actress win for a comedic performance, uh, and just back-to-back incredibly funny films, uh, I think would make a great double feature. Nice. Um, what will be this film's legacy?
0: Um, one of the quintessential Billy Crystal movies. Um, fantastic, uh, I guess you'd call it a buddy comedy.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't
0: know. Uh, what is this film's legacy?
1: This film's legacy actually isn't from the movie itself. In my opinion, this film's legacy is Jack Pounce's Oscar win and his one-armed push-ups, mm. which goes down in in Oscar history as one of the bi- one, one of the most memorable moments ever. Um, but I like your answer as well. The it's a, a like I said, I think it's in, in, when it comes to Billy Crystal, this will be, in my opinion, the third most thing he's remembered for. I think number one is hosting the Oscars. Yeah. Number two is when Harry met Sally and then this.
0: Mm-hmm. My generation also
1: will remember him as, uh, uh, Mike Wazowski. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you learn anything from this movie and what was it?
0: Yeah. Um, often a tough one to narrow down. I try to leave it at one sentence. so I left it at, uh, leaving your comfort zone can result in profound personal change.
1: Oh, nice. um, I learned a lot from this movie. Now, this is what I've been hinting at uh, throughout our podcast tonight. So the fir- I'm, I'm going to leave with this. This movie had a major impact on me and my outlook on relationships. Daniel Stern pretending to be on his sleep on the plane and at the party really scared me as a kid. Hmm. I swore – I will never be in a relationship like that. I will never be in a relationship with somebody that I don't like so much that I would rather pretend to be asleep than to be with them. I cannot tell you how much, especially especially the scene on the plane where he's pretending to be asleep and his two friends both see him do it and they both know that he's faking and they both say, I can't believe he's pretending to be asleep because he doesn't want to talk to her. That has always resonated with me throughout my entire life.
0: Wow. I think that's a, that's a great lesson to,
1: to learn from this movie. Yes. So that's the – for me, that's the big one. But similar to you, um, I think it is to not be complacent in your relationship. Hmm. Um, I feel that uh, Mitch is – he is unaware of how good he has it. And I think he's fallen complacent in life and in his marriage. And it's this trip that really opens up his eyes to for him to realize just how good he has it. And so that's I think that's a, a, an important lesson from this movie. Good. I, I think you nailed it. Awesome. Sam, your final thoughts on City Slickers? I'm always
0: glad to get a pleasant surprise like this out of a film that I had never heard of. Last week, I uh, I had this about a I had a drama in mind about a bunch of friends taking a road trip to New York City, um, you know, pretty far off base. But uh, what we got was a at times incredibly touching film about uh, these three men learning to open up to each other and learning to um, really show themselves what they're capable of. They're rediscovering their own self-respect, they're rediscovering their own priorities, and they're rediscovering their own capabilities. And seeing them discover this all together, um, combined with some excellent performances, namely from Bruno Kirby and Billy Crystal, um, was just a recipe for a really touching and really well-made movie and also the cutest several cows of all time. (laughs) Those several cows being all named Norman.
1: (laughs) Uh, I've always loved this movie. Um, Again, for anybody listening to the podcast regularly, and as Sam pointed out, it's a movie about male friendship, and so it just completely hits home with me. The chemistry between the, the, the three lead characters and the main supporting character, so that's the three friends and Curly, is superb. It is an absolute joy to watch the four of them, or... The three of them play off one another and then Billy and uh, Jack Palance play off one another. Uh, I think the script is great. It allows... We have three characters who have their own arcs and they all go through it together and where they start and where they end up is all believable. It's numerous times it has me... I definitely laugh out loud quite a few times uh, at the comedy. It's... These are the comedies I grew up on, so I think I'm always going to kind of laugh at them. Uh, Billy Crystal is just great. Uh, It's just a movie I always fully enjoy. Cool. Awesome. Time to give this movie a rating. Sam, what are you giving City Slickers? You know what I ought to do, Manny? I ought
0: to to make a a list on Letterboxd of all the films that I say this about. Um, This is a four for me. I think th- this genuinely is closer to a five than I would have expected it to be. Nice. I think there's enough enough small stuff wrong with it that I can keep it at a four for now. But I, I could definitely see it like this being one that I revisit from time to time, one that did really speak to me yeah. uh, on, a, on a deeper level. Um, I could see this being a five eventually. Wicked. So I, I, what I'm saying basically is that I want to go back and create a letterbox list of all the fours that I need to revisit to see if they're fives. And this would be on there.
1: Wicked. Uh, this is a four for me. Uh, I can't think of why I can't give this a five. I don't have a reason why. In every thing that I love about movies, this should be a five because I go back to this often. I enjoy it every time I watch it. Uh, I don't know there's just something I can't put my finger on why I can't give it that five but it is an easy fucking four um, love this movie cool uh, Sam what's next week next week Merry Christmas
0: everyone next week we're going to be talking about episode 236 Scrooged and you may be seeing saying to yourself Sam you're really bad at math 234 plus one is 235 not 236 um yeah so we've recorded next week already uh and we did the math incorrectly yeah so well uh, not really i don't know no we didn't yeah well i mean we wound up missing a week yeah um, yeah <laughs> we wound up missing a week so we didn't do the math incorrectly it just didn't work out yeah so i don't know what we're, are we just not having a 235
1: or are we just no well in the in the pantheon scrooge will be 235 oh okay so when we when we come back in the new year, It's will, really gonna be two thirty six. It'll be two thirty six and we will explain ag- again what happened. Right, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, cool. So I mean
0: in uh in that case, uh this is man, this is the last time I'm gonna see your face uh for in like two thousand twenty two. Three weeks. For like three weeks. It's gonna be the last time. Sucks. Yeah. So um a Merry Christmas to you, sir. A and Merry
1: Christmas and a happy new year. And a
0: happy new year to you as well. And this God has, bless has been this has been a good year for everyone. God oh, bless <laughs> This has been a good year for the podcast. It's been a it tumultuous year for the podcast. Yeah. There have been some ups and downs. Yeah. Some behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. We've grown as people. We have. Yeah. We've, uh, dare I say, opened up and been vulnerable and we- gone on a hero's journey of our own. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Um, It's been a lot of fun. It's always been a lot of fun. And uh, neither of us, it seems, have plans to end this anytime soon. Nuh-uh. I tell you what, I, I have no plans of ending this podcast anytime soon. I feel like we need to start making some money off this because <laughs> <laughs> it's about t- it's about goddamn time that this becomes our jobs. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. I don't know if 2023 is the year that happens. But probably not. Probably not. Nope. Probably 2024 isn't either.
1: Mm, probably not. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs>
0: we're having fun. As long as we are having fun, which I very much am right here Same. right now in this moment, uh, I've got no plans to discontinue my no. involvement here. Yeah, so we're good to go. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your patience and thank you for... Uh, Thank you for doing, you know, all the hard work, <laughs> and just letting me show up once a week and uh, and record. Oh. I appreciate everything you do.
1: Oh, thanks, brother. Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If it you us a five star rating and a positive review, it does increase the profile of our podcast, allows more people to find us. You can also rate us on Spotify, which we would greatly appreciate. Again, it just takes a mere moment. If you want to give us something for Christmas, that's what you can give us: a nice rating. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can follow us on Letterboxd at Manny42 and Sam Reimer. If you're not on Letterboxd and you're listening to this podcast, I don't know what's wrong with you. You need to get on it. It is by far the best app uh, for movie lovers out there. Um,
0: I would also just
1: add um, I
0: with I think it was this film. I think it was City Slickers uh, was my 500th film. No. Logged on Letterboxd. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well it was. done. So we did it. Not this year. Manny, by the way, I should give a shout out to. I can't believe we didn't talk about this off uh, on air. 365 movies. You did it, dude. We've talked about it a few times before. 365 movies in a year is crazy. Yeah. How one human man can have that much free time. Congratulations. You set the goal. You hit it. Celebrated with Pulp Fiction for number three sixty five.
1: I must. We must have set the goal on on fifty two in review, right? I think so. Cause, yeah. Because we do that for calendar years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to re-listening to that episode.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll have to re-listen to that episode and then uh, record a new one for this year. Yes, indeed.
1: Yeah. I gotta get on top of it. That's fine. Three weeks away. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave until the night before. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh. All right. So for the uh, Samuel and Manuel movie podcast, I'm Manny
0: Manuel. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you guys. See you in 2023. Thank you very much for listening. If you are, find your one thing. (laughs) I'm Sam Reimer.
1: Adios.